you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. So uh, if you're like a, a long-time living worder, then you will remember this story. Everybody else are in for a new treat here. So years ago, when my wife and I first bought a house, our first house was out in Center Reach, right by Nichols Road, and we had to have our cesspool replaced. So we had the guys come in, and they dig up the whole lawn, and they make a huge mess. And so I was like, all right, I'm like in my early 20s and like a new homeowner, and I'm like, all right, so we're going to fix this up nice. And so I get topsoil delivered, and I go to Home Depot, and I get the seed, and I come and rake it all in, and I put the seed in, and I water I water it for like two weeks. That's what they say, right? 14 days. Supposed to have grass coming up. Not one blade of grass comes up. I'm like, what is happening here? I go back to Home Depot, get another bag of seed, put it out, rake it, water it for two weeks. Not one single seed, uh, uh, blade of grass is coming up. I'm like, what is happening? So I bring the bag with me to Home Depot and I pull two Home Depot workers aside. I'm like, guys, what is going on? I'm like, it's, you know, I have this, it's your fault attitude. And what has Home Depot done to the, these seeds? And they're laughing at me. And I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, bro, there's no seed in there. That's just fertilizer. <laughs> I've been putting down just fertilizer for weeks. No seed. I'm like, well, why is there a picture of beautiful, luscious grass on this package? Like, you expect me to read? I'm not going to read. There's a picture here of grass. There should be seed in this. I want you to think about seed today. I want you to think about what it can do to sort of take this idea of like the truths of God being like seed that can go down into our hearts and others' hearts to bring about a change. So we're going to ask a few questions here today. First question is this. Is your heart receptive or unreceptive toward Jesus and his work in your life? Like everybody in the room, everybody watching online, so if you're a Christian or not, if you're new to this or you've been around forever, is your heart receptive? Is it open? Are you hungry? Are you excited? Or are you kind of in a rut? Or are you kind of pushing God away? Or are you mad at God? Where do you find your heart here today? Second question we're going to look at today is, what does the Bible assume every Christian will do? We're all going to do certain things, right? And the Bible calls us to a few things kind of across the board. It calls us to love one another. It calls us to be unified, but it calls us to something else that we're going to see here this morning. And question three, why is it so hard sometimes to tell people about Jesus? That's something that we all struggle with. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's something you know you should do, but you probably don't want to do, or you've done it and it hasn't gone great. And so we're going to see kind of a single thread weaving through all these questions here today. And I think we'll be encouraged. I think there'll be something that God does in us to allow our hearts to become more receptive and to encourage us in these different ways. And if you're not a follower of Jesus or if you're new to church, we're so glad you're here. And we are just thrilled you're with us this morning. And we are so grateful that you're our guest today. And I hope today you hear me speaking to you too. I hope you're here knowing who Jesus is and knowing his love for you and maybe even having an objection answered. See, I think one of the things that sometimes we believe is that we're just Christians because we live in America, right? Like that's why we're Christians. If we lived somewhere else, if we lived in Europe, if we lived in Africa, if we lived in Asia, then we wouldn't be Christians. But we're Christians just because we live in America. And we're going to answer that question here this morning as well. So Mark, as we've been saying, wrote... The book of Mark and the theme of the book of Mark is Jesus the servant. And we're going through this book and Mark was friends with Peter. Peter was an eyewitness to all the things that happened to Jesus. And so Mark got his information from Peter. And we're going to dig into Mark 4 verse 1. It says this, again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, it, excuse me, sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. Everybody say parables. All right, so parables are stories that Jesus would use to kind of get our attention and, and 
teach us a deep spiritual truth. And I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this. Listen to this. This is great. A parable begins innocently as a picture that arrests our attention and arouses our interest. But as we study the picture, it becomes a mirror in which we suddenly see ourselves. If we continue to look by faith, the mirror becomes a window through which we see God and his truth. So I love that. I think a parable, a story that Jesus is going to use is going to get our attention, but it's also going to show us some things about ourselves and show us some things about God. Uh, Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, here we go, into a story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And this makes me insane, because when I, now I'm kind of obsessed, now that I'm 45 and I actually know what seed looks like, and when I put it down on the grass, I'm kind of obsessed with my lawn. I love being out there and working on my lawn, and there's nothing worse than scattering seed all over the lawn. You wake up the next day, and your backyard looks like a horror movie. There are 10,000 birds on the lawn eating all your seed. And that's what Jesus says happens here. Jesus is saying, you know, the seed is thrown out, but the birds came and they stole it. Verse 5, some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And I hate this. You put out the seed, you're all excited, lawn's looking good, and then like a week or two later, it wasn't really rooted. And so it dies. Then it goes on, verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Why is it? That grass, you have to purposefully water and um, put out fertilizer, and you have to rake it, and you have to cut it, and you have to love on it and pray for it, apparently. But weeds, like, you spray it with poison, and it thrives. Like, what is going on? And have you ever grabbed those weeds that have, like, sharp-like thorns sticking out of them? They shouldn't even be there, but there they are. And Jesus says, sometimes the weeds or the thorns come and choke out the seed. And it says in verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced the crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So now we're talking. Now we get to the good soil here. And then it says in verse 9, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so there's a saying that my kids like to say. I think the kids are saying this today. If you know, you know. I don't know if you've heard anybody say that before. If you know, you know. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. If you have ears to hear, then hear it. If you know, you know. If you're getting this little parable story I'm teaching, then get it. Verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus is talking about the groups like the scribes and the Pharisees who have been opposing him, who most of which would never change, their hearts would remain hard, and they would eventually crucify Jesus. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, he's talking to his 12 here, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And here he is, I think it's one of those awkward moments, like I don't know if you ever had a moment like this where you think someone gets it, but they really don't get it. Like it's almost like he looked at his followers and said, if you know, you know, right guys? And they're like, well, we don't know. And he's like, well, then let me explain this. And he goes into it. He says, the farmer sows the word. Everybody say word. Okay, so there's a tweak here. When Jesus first told the story, he said, the farmer sows the seed. Now he's saying the farmer sows the word. So he's telling us what he's talking about. It's the word of God. It's getting the truth about Jesus out there. He's saying the farmer sows that word. And so the the follower of Jesus sows that word or 
gets that message out about Jesus. And, and I have to stop here and we have to ask question number one, right? Is your heart receptive or unreceptive toward Jesus and his work in your life, right? If the seed is the word of God, then it's supposed to land on our heart, right? Not our physical heart, but that heart in which we grasp spiritual truth, right? And right there, we're supposed to be able to grab a hold of it, and we're supposed to allow it to apply to our life and go down deep into the soil of our life and produce something beautiful. And I think, everybody look at me real quick, I think that as us as Christians, we often think, oh, well, this isn't a verse that applies to people who don't know Jesus yet. Gotta get the word out about Jesus, and we do. And it is partly about that. But don't think it's also not about you and me. Is your heart, Christian, receptive? Is it unreceptive? Is it kind of like the birds are coming and stealing away the word? Are the weeds growing up and choking it out? Is your heart receptive or unreceptive toward Jesus and his work in your life? Because he's always wanting to work in our lives. I'm 45 years old. When I'm 55, I hope I love Jesus and know him even more than I do now. And when I'm 65, it better be better than now. I want to continue to grow. And God's always trying to Throw seeds out, right? I'll give you an example that I share with my community group this week because we were talking about conflict. We were talking about you get into an argument with somebody. And I was saying, man, isn't it crazy? You get into an argument with your spouse or whoever and you just want to like come out with that last line that just blasts them and shuts them up and proves them like so wrong and you were so right. And as you're about to speak, you know what happens, right? It's like God taps you on the shoulder and says, don't say it. Don't text it. And then you and I look up and go, don't care. <laughs> and we go ahead and we let it fly. And it's that moment, right? Is my heart receptive to God trying to say, Doug, shut up. Love your wife well. Walk away. Cool off. Go put some seed, actual seed, in the grass. <laughs> Come back and have a conversation. Or let it go. See, there's so many moments. And that's just one example of billions where God's trying to communicate those seeds of truth to us. Are our hearts receptive or unreceptive toward him? Another reason we need to pay attention to those five words, the farmer sows the seed, is because none of us, when we read that verse just a minute ago, said, that's so weird. Why would the farmer sow the seed? Not one of us thought that. You know why? Because we all assume the farmer's going to sow the seed. If the farmer doesn't sow the seed, who's going to sow the seed? Just want to let you guys know something. In Jesus' little analogy... And I are the farmer. We're going to sow the seed, right? What does the Bible assume every Christian will do? Tell people about Jesus. Just like it's assumed the farmer's going to get out there and work that ground and get that seed in there. Like it's assumed that you and I, as followers of Jesus, are going to sow that seed. And so it goes on here in verse 15. It says, Some people, Jesus continues to explain, are like seed along the path where the seed is, is sown as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Has that ever happened to you or somebody you know, right? Like you're sharing the truth about God with them and it kind of seems like you're getting somewhere and then it's like just gone. Or maybe that was you. Maybe you grew up going to church and then you got hurt in church. Maybe you grew up going to a youth group and you have some experiences with Jesus, but man, you just got distracted and it's like, wow, where did all those things go? Or sometimes it's like, I didn't even get to really hear it or internalize it. It was just gone. Verse 16, others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, 
and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. And, and we've all either experienced this ourselves or seen it in somebody. They come to the Christmas service and they're like, wow, Jesus is real and I want to know him and he's amazing. And then it's like two weeks go by, three weeks go by and some trouble hits. They lose a loved one. A financial thing comes. They lose their job. Their girlfriend breaks up with them and it's just anger toward God. Or maybe it's persecution, right? Somebody makes fun of us because we follow Jesus. We get passed over at work because we follow Jesus and now it's like, well, I'm not going to let this cost me. So is your heart receptive or unreceptive? And as we're asking God to make our hearts receptive today, I would just say, man, if you have some anger at God right now, or if you're not a follower of Jesus and trouble and pain has kept you from Jesus, then, man, today's the day to just say, God, just make my heart soft. Soften this hard thing. You know, the number one reason people don't follow Jesus or believe in God is because of pain and suffering. But I want to tell you today about a God who knows a lot about pain and suffering. In fact, part of the subtitle of Mark is Jesus the suffering servant. He's not just a servant, not just the one that came to service, but he suffered and he took a cross and he was beaten and he was abused and he was horrifically tortured so that you and I could know him. Like, let's talk about that. He knows your pain. He identifies with your pain. He's walked in your pain. Don't let that keep you from Jesus. Don't let that make your heart unreceptive. And don't let that keep you and I from sowing the seed. Let's keep going. Verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we got the three W's in here, right? Worries, wealth, and wants. The worries, wealth, and wants of life, choke that thing out. Some of us, we're just so worried about certain things that we have no time for God. Some of us, it's that pursuit of wealth. I'm going to get stuff. I'm going to get my hands on money. Long Island culture, we live and breathe this, everybody. We don't even know it. But this is so big for us. Is that a wealth pursuit or the wants? I just want this in life. I want that in life. I want that success in life. I want success in business so much that, man, I'll hardly be at church or I won't join a community group because I just don't have time. But man, what a difficult thing to miss out on what's best because you kind of went for what's okay. And our parents in the room, can I talk to you for a second? And I'll talk to me because I'm a parent of three kids. Man, I think that sometimes we want so much for our kids that we don't accomplish the most important thing for our kids. And that's modeling, showing them a receptive heart toward Jesus and his ways. Uh, you know, parents in the room, I know we want our kid to be the best athlete and the best student and the best, you know, fill in the blank. But, man, do not make your kids gods. They're horrible gods. Point them to God. Model a relationship with the Lord. Prioritize him. Allow your heart to be receptive and watch their heart in time become receptive as well. Verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So now we're talking. Now we see the seed growing. We see the word of God going down deep into a heart and bringing salvation or bringing about some kind of good thing in the life of a follower of Jesus. And in that day, a tenfold return was considered good. Like you investors in the room, if you got 10% back, that's decent. But we're talking 30, 60, 100%, seeing God move mightily in that seed, do some powerful things. So what does the Bible assume every Christian will do? Share the message of Jesus. Question three, why is it so hard sometimes to tell people about Jesus? I think we try it, it doesn't go well. I think we get discouraged. I think we get overwhelmed. I think we feel inadequate. I think you want me to do it. I'm not doing it for you, okay? You are where I am not. 
right? You are where I am not. I go certain places. I know certain people. I can share the message there. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I need to do it more, right? But your places I'm not, and you have stories I don't have. And so all of us need to understand some things in this passage as we go out there and we keep going or we start sharing our faith for the very first time. First off, we have to know that it was out of the farmer's control where the seed would produce crops, right? Like he had no way of knowing. Like if a farmer's just throwing seed out, maybe over there it's going to go well, maybe over there it's going to go well. Sometimes you don't even know. Sometimes you're surprised, right? Like I put all this work into the lawn and the grass grew in the mulch. Like I want to lose my mind, right? And sometimes you just don't know where it's going to grow. Sometimes you don't know where the seed's going to find its place. One commentary says this, the farmer must have known that some parts of his land were better than others, but he was giving them all. This is so powerful because there's people in our lives we've written off. He's giving them all an equal chance. It was probably the only land that he had. Sometimes we're surprised. You ever talk to somebody about Jesus and you're like, I really think that they're interested and I think they're so close and you pray and you go ahead and share and they're not interested at all. And then you're like, on the train reading a book and somebody across from you is like, whoa, like, what's that? And they look like they have, there's just the last person you would have imagined would have interest in Jesus. And the next thing you know, you're leading them to Jesus on the train, you know? Like sometimes we're just totally surprised by it. Jesus then changes parables, but continues the theme in verse 21. He says, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? right? Like, don't you put the light out so everybody can see it. On Christmas Eve, my family, we exchange like really silly little gifts. You know, Christmas morning is like the big gifts, right? And so we just buy silly stuff. My wife and I figure out what we think the kids might like. And sometimes one of those gifts is like the hit. It's the weirdest thing. And that happened this past year. So my wife found this bulb. You plug it into any uh, just light or lamp and what happens is it turns into a Bluetooth speaker so my son could connect his phone to it and it spins right here and shoots lights up onto the ceiling, right? Like, I'm like, all right, it's a cool little $5 gift. Who cares? Landon's like, this is so awesome, right? And so, you know, he, of course, wants to try it out. And so Kelly and I, on Christmas Eve, are sitting on the couch after the gift giving has taken place. Whoop. Oh, it was falling? I was like, what'd I do? Jeez, I was like a lion behind me. You guys are, my gosh. I'm going to take my blood pressure right now. Like, it's five dollars. Like, oh no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just gonna put this down here then. Gosh, what a crowd. But Christmas Eve night as we're watching and just hanging out, watching the fire, and it's suddenly like, where are the kids? And we go into Landon's room, and my 19-year-old, 17-year-old, 15-year-old are all on the floor with the lights out, looking at this light up on the ceiling. And the light wasn't like under the bed. It wasn't under a blanket, right? It was out shining brightly. What does the Bible assume every Christian will do? Tell people about Jesus. Share our faith. Guys, we have the hope of the world, and I need to grow in this. I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but man, what a thing to be able to shine brightly for Jesus in this time, and just understanding that he has you where you are for a reason, and there are divine appointments on trains and in school hallways and in college dorms, and man, God can use you right where you are. Verse 22, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. What does that mean? It means that there's a time to allow things to be hidden, another time to bring them out, and Jesus is saying, this is the time to bring them out. Like when my wife and I were dating, I had gotten a ring, and I went to her 
parents' house to ask permission to ask for her hand in marriage. Guys, by the way, that's how you do it, okay? So, so I went and I asked, and thankfully I was granted permission. And so I have the ring, so I wanted to show them the ring, that I wasn't, it wasn't going to be like a fake thing or anything like that. It was a real ring. And so I have it in my pocket, in the case. And so Kelly comes home from work. I made sure I was there before she was home so she wouldn't know. And later that night, as we're just hanging out, she just like, kind of like playfully says, like, why don't you just ask me to marry you? And I have the ring right in my pocket. And I, but I already had a whole other scheme, like a whole other plan on how this would go. So in my head, I'm thinking, it would be really funny to just pull this ring out right now and do it. But there wasn't time yet. There's time for that thing to be concealed. But then a few days later, it was to be brought out into the open. And Jesus is saying, guys, here's this message of truth. It is time to bring it out into the open. Let's not keep it concealed any longer. He says, verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, but the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What's Jesus saying? I think this is cool, especially if you've been a Christian a long time. For those of us who are like, oh yeah, I already know Jesus. I'm already close with him. My heart's been receptive. I don't know if I'm all up to date in my relationship with him, but what's Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, if you are hungry, I'm going to keep giving you more. Like If you want to grow and you want your heart to be receptive to the seed of truth that I'm pouring out here, I'll just keep on giving. You keep taking, I'll keep giving. And so Christians in the room, let's not let that get old. Let's not let that become something we're used to, but let's keep growing in our relationship. Verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Guys, what does that tell us? God is the one responsible to make that seed grow. Like, that's not on us. Like that, I think we carry that weight. I think some of us feel like such a failure. Like I've shared my faith and nobody came to church on Christmas or Easter. I've, I shared my faith, they came on Christmas Eve, but man, they're not back. I'm a failure. I'm not doing this anymore. It's God who makes the seed grow. Like when I put that grass seed out and I, I wait like, you know, seven to ten days and you look out the window and you start to see that little furry little tip of the grass come up. Like I didn't do that. Right? I put it there. I watered it. God did that. And the same is true in our relationships, everybody. As some of you guys have loved one, it's just been a long time and you've been waiting for God to show up and you've been waiting for him to do something powerful and it just feels like, when is this finally gonna happen? And sometimes it takes a long time, but it's God that grows the seed. Don't give up, don't be discouraged. And I think too that, man, God just loves to surprise us sometimes. There's a pastor named Lee Strobel. He started out as an agnostic investigative journalist who wanted to show everybody that Christianity wasn't true, so he started to explore Christianity and found how true it was, and now writes all these books about how true Christianity is. It's an amazing, uh, amazing thing, and he's an awesome author. But years ago when he was a businessman, he was in his office one day, and he felt like God was just leading him to go into a certain office and tell somebody about Jesus. And so he marches in, and he kind of just takes a minute or two, and he shares his faith real quick with this guy, but the guy wants nothing to do with it. And so he walks back out feeling all dejected. Now Lee Strobel now is this big author and speaker, and so he speaks all over the world. And so he's speaking at a place one time, decades after that encounter in the office, and this guy comes out uh, over to him and says, hey, you led me to Jesus. And Lee's like, really? How? When and how? Like, I don't recognize you. And he says, well, years ago, you were in an office building, and you walked into an office, and you shared your testimony with the guy sitting behind the desk. 
is what you didn't realize is I was a maintenance guy in that office. I was behind the desk on the floor fixing some tile. When you came in, I got quiet, just listened, and God changed my life. You just never know how God's going to use you. Lee Strobel jokes, I call it ricochet evangelism. You know, it's just like <laughs> boing. You know, so I just wonder how many times God's used us and we didn't even know it. But what about maybe you who are here today that don't believe in Jesus? Maybe you're going, ah, I don't know about this stuff. And maybe one of your objections is, ah, we're just, these people are just Christians because they grew up in America. Well, I want to show you something that I show you once in a while. It's this chart, and I'm going to kind of get out of the way here so you guys can see it, and I'm going to talk you through it. And I wish you could see the writing on it a little bit better, but basically what you have is you have all different types of religions represented here, and then you have all different places around the world represented here. So Asia Pacific, Sub-Saharan Africa, Europe, North America, Latin America. And basically what this graph is showing you is... Hindus are largely in Asia Pacific. That's why this whole chart, that, that, that whole bar on the graph is blue. Uh, Buddhists, the same. Uh, folk religionists, the same. And you start to see a little bit of, of change in the color. Down here, Jews, they, they, there's a, a bouncing around a little bit of where they're located around the world. But this is the Christian row, everybody. Do you see how, whether it's Asia Pacific or Sub-Saharan Africa or it's Europe or it's North America or uh, Middle East, North Africa, like there's almost a, like equal representation of Christians in each region. So think about this. Somebody in Europe today, some college student woke up and told his college roommate, like, ah, you just believe in Jesus because we live in Europe. And somebody in Sub-Saharan Africa, some dad woke up and said, I'm not going to church with you guys today. We just believe in Jesus because we woke up in Sub-Saharan Africa this morning, right? Like all across the world. And I love what's going on here because Jesus makes this statement in this last little parable that we're going to read. He says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of the garden plants, which such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. He's saying, look, this thing's starting out real little. You wait and see. This thing's going to go global. You watch what's going to happen in the years to come. Is your heart receptive or unreceptive toward Jesus and his work in your life? Maybe you're new to all this. You're going, I don't know. I mean, up until today, I didn't even know Jesus wanted a relationship with me. I didn't even know he cared. He loves you so much. Jesus the servant. Jesus the suffering servant. Who came and died in your place. Are you Christian receptive today? Is your heart soft or has the worry, the wealth, and the wants of life choked it out? Man, ask God for a soft heart today. Bring him those things that have been distracting you. What does the Bible assume every Christian will do? Share the truth about Jesus. We'll share our faith. God wants to use you where you are. And this is a time to be bold. This is not a time to conceal. It's a time to bring the light out. Why is it so hard to sometimes tell people about Jesus? Because we feel like we don't do it well. We feel unqualified. And next Sunday, as like a little bit of a sliver of the message, I'm going to share a little bit more because it's going to jump right out of Mark chapter 5, a really easy way to share our faith. And so we're going to look at that as a part of the message next Sunday. But just remember that you never know where the good soil is. You might think you know, but you never know. And just remember that it's God that grows the seed. Next week, we continue the story. And I just want to think about, as you and I leave here today, that we could leave with receptive hearts toward God. Maybe for some of us, it's just been a long time since our hearts have been receptive, open, hungry, that good soil where the seed could go in. The next time God taps us on the shoulder in the middle of that argument, 
that we would stop ourselves and pause and walk away. Or whatever the scenario might be for you where he's trying to get your attention. And I think we'll leave here with a heart to tell people about this amazing Savior we have. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to put your trust in him today. I'm going to give you a chance in just a few minutes to pray with me and to begin a conversation with God. A God who loves you, who's walked in your shoes, who knows what suffering is and wants to bring healing in your life. Let me just close with this. There's a guy named Mark Clark and he was raised in an atheistic household. And he went to a summer camp each summer, and it was like a Christian camp, so he kind of got like his little God thing over the summer. But then he would go back to his regular life of stealing and partying and addiction. And from the age of eight, he was struggling with addiction. He almost overdosed and, and died. His dad, at the, when, when Mark was 15 years old, died of lung cancer and all these questions and this anger's kicking up in Mark's heart. And right at that time, when Mark was 17, a guy named Chris came into his life. And Chris was a former drug dealer from his school, but he'd recently become a Christian. And he told him about Jesus and he was intrigued by Chris's faith. And here's what Mark would write. I began to wrestle with the existence of God with questions of suffering and evil and with the reliability of the Bible. But the more I explored, the more I saw the emotional power and philosophical soundness of Christianity. The year I met Christ, I gave my life to Christ and began a journey of total transformation. The most powerful catalyst was the Bible itself. I spent two years reading the Bible. I felt like I'd been set free from all the shame, guilt, and powerlessness I had known growing up. And I was confident others would want that freedom too. People often ask me where my passion for defending Christianity comes from. As a longtime doubter myself, and you guys know me, you know I can relate to that as well. I delight in showing other doubters that Christianity is real, historically verifiable, philosophically compelling, consistent with science, and full of satisfying answers to our deepest questions about life's purpose. So I'm thankful for Mark Clark, but you know who I'm more thankful for? 17-year-old Chris. Came into his life at the right moment and shined brightly brought the hope of God, and that's the potential for each and every one of us. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you've invited us into this relationship with you. And God, we just want to kind of pray through what we talked about today, God. I pray first and foremost that our hearts would be receptive. I just encourage you now, if there's some anger kicking around in there, if there's the wealth, the wants, and the worries of life kicking around in there, now's the time to name that. Now's the time to bring that to God and say, God, my desire for success, my desire for my kids' success, my desire for money, stuff, God, the worries of life, the trouble and hardship of life has overwhelmed my soul. God, bring healing to me. God, make my heart soft. Let the seed go down deep into a receptive heart. God, your word assumes that as Christians, we're going to share what we know about you. And so we ask you for help. And it's hard sometimes, but we ask you for help. And we want to be great witnesses and we want to have compelling answers for people, but sometimes we just don't have all that. And sometimes we fall short. And God, we just want to pray that you would create an amazing receptiveness in the hearts of the people that, Lord, we love and care for. Our neighbors, friends, people we go to school with. God, do something awesome in their lives and give us opportunities and may we take those opportunities and may we be bold and may we not conceal what needs to be brought out into the light today, God. May we shine brightly in this hour, God. Help us, Lord. Even as a new political swing comes up into all this election stuff and who knows what's gonna happen and this and that, God, you know. 
God, in that, may we love you well and love one another well and shine brightly. Help us, Lord. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to begin a conversation with him today, I encourage you to pray with me now. Jesus, be my Savior. Just say, Jesus, be my God. Jesus, rescue me from my sin. Forgive me for the things that I've done that are wrong, and thank you for this gift of salvation. Jesus, may my heart be receptive to you. I pray that in a year from now and 50 years from now, God, my heart will beat with passion for you. Thank you for your love for me. In your name I pray. Amen.